Welcome back to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck. This is On Point. Um, this is something that we have been talking about in the media for quite some time. Medically assisted dying, made as it's often referred to, uh, for individuals who um, are choosing uh, this way uh, for for their own reasons. Uh, maybe they have, maybe they're in palliative care. Maybe they are in so much pain that this is the best option for them. And so there are absolutely uh, benefits of having this option available uh, for those individuals who want it. But there's a story now that is really causing some concern. A Canadian Forces veteran seeking treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, traumatic brain injury, so PTSD, says they were shocked when he was unexpectedly, and he says casually, offered made by a Veterans Affairs Canada employee. Um, this is what we've learned. Global News has learned. Um, so it really does show us, have we you know, become so casual about made that we're offering it now to those individuals who are not even inquiring about it. Uh, I wanted to hear more about uh, some reaction to this story, get more context on what exactly happened. Uh, Oliver Thorne is Executive Director of Veterans Transition Network. Oliver, welcome to the program. Hey, Rubina. Thanks very much for having me. Your reaction uh, to uh, to this story, Veteran Affairs uh, says the, the inappropriate. It says a worker inappropriately discussed medically assisted dying uh, with a veteran. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I'm, you know, shocked when I read the headline and and appalled, frankly, that that this happened. Um, and I'm really disheartened because, you know. My organization, the Veterans Transition Network, we've worked over the past 10 years to expand a counseling program that we deliver across the country uh, for Canadian veterans. Um, and in doing that work, we learn time and time again um, how difficult it can be um, for veterans to reach out and seek mental health support when they're struggling. Uh, the military culture, it, 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 uh, is Darwinian in nature. It very much focuses on strength and self-sufficiency. And so the result is that people who have struggled uh, with uh, mental health injuries as a result of service have often been very reluctant to reach out for support. And so it's vital that when they do make that request, which often comes very late in the game and at a point when they are approaching crisis because they feel they have no other option, they finally reach out. And then to be met with a response like this um, is, again, just so appalling and so disheartening because we know that uh, a veteran is going to be much less likely to ask for help in future and all of the veterans who have read this story, frankly. Yeah, I can only imagine someone, a veteran, someone who suffers from PTSD, uh, the individual who who is the center of this too, who was offered this uh, this option, how it can make them feel worthless, how it can make them feel like that's what my life is worth to you, that this is the option that you are giving me uh, for my PTSD. Um, for, from you, I mean, and there's been other uh, instances, and not necessarily uh, with veterans, but uh, with individuals who didn't ask for MAID, they didn't ask to, to, mm -hmm. for this option, uh, young people being offered this. And really, uh, you know, the concern is, is are we becoming a, a little bit too uh, comfortable with MAID as being a healthcare option? Uh, you know, as, as the executive director of Veterans Transition Network, you deal with people all the time uh, that have a, a very serious mental health issues, very serious physical issues. Um, how, does this concern you that it's becoming so casual, made uh, as a discussion point when it comes to healthcare? 
you know, it'd be really difficult for me to say because it's so far outside the realm of anything that we would ever do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not something that, uh, you know, I haven't in my 10 years of, of working with veterans and the, and the work that we've done is not something that I've encountered uh, in that time, which is partly why it's just so shocking to hear that this was discussed so out of place and so casually. Um, and, you know, you, you said it just there that um, it, it seems to sort of, Devalue or disregard, um, you know, the the suffering that somebody may be experiencing, and the fact that that suffering can be alleviated. And what I would say to any veterans listening is that operational stress injuries, you know, the effect of service, um, uh, both physically and you know psychologically on people, is a normal reaction to an abnormal event. And there are services out there, uh, ours and many others. Uh, that can help you address those issues, put them behind you, and and move forward, you know, in life after service. And I just really encourage anybody listening, uh, as disheartening as reading this story may be, know that help is out there um, and that it is a phone call or an email away. And I absolutely encourage any veterans listening to reach out, um, seek support. Um, Our organization uh, runs programs across the country for men and women in English and French, uh, if you're struggling, email neveralone at btncanada.org, and we're happy to support. Um, and there are many other services like ours that are out there and accessible. Um, and to, to answer your question of, you know, uh, is this too casually offered? Again, tough to say because it's not an area that we work in, and that's because we know that these problems can be solved. Um, and, and that's where we focus. And again, that's why it's just so shocking to see that this was discussed when um, so far as we can see, it, it was not appropriate and it did not need to be discussed. Yeah, from what we understand that now the veteran has not been identified for obvious reasons, uh, that mm-hmm. the there was an apology given uh, for this being brought up, but it was after they complained multiple times. And they also said that they never indicated that this was something that they wanted to hear more about or wanted to hear more as an option. Um, you, you mentioned there that there are resources for veterans who are transitioning back into civilian life, transitioning back into life after serving. Can, can you tell us what some of those resources are uh, that, that veterans can tap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our work you know, specifically focuses on mental health and transition. Um, so that's sort of assisting people um, if they have uh, an element of the service, perhaps an experience. Um, of service or transition out of service that, uh, you know, has been particularly stressful or difficult for them. And, and, you know, maybe it's bringing up memories, maybe it's causing, uh, you know, stress, uh, stopping people from sleeping properly, things like that. Um, Those are the types of issues that we aim to address through our program. Um, And um, there are many other organizations out there offering similar programs, things like Homewood, Edgewood, Wounded Warriors, True Patriot Love, um, it can sometimes be, uh, for veterans, a challenging landscape to deliver, and, and we absolutely know that. But uh, to anyone listening, please know that that help is out there, um, particularly for post-traumatic stress and operational stress injuries um, like this veteran from the news story was, was suffering from. Um, and to talk about the landscape, you know, I think what this story really highlights is the importance of the selection and the training for case managers in Veterans Affairs. Um, And and again, I know veterans reading the story may be now feeling very, very hesitant about reaching out to Veterans Affairs. And this is why stories like this are so damaging because they stop people from seeking support. 
Um, we speak to veterans, you know, throughout the year, some of whom feel very well served by Veterans Affairs. They have a great experience with their case manager. They get access to programs. And certainly we speak to veterans who do not. Um, and I think what we learn and what the government should learn from this story is that how case managers are trained and the level of service that they provide is absolutely paramount to the department's success. Because as I talked about earlier, when veterans are reaching out often because they are reluctant to do so, they are doing so very late, perhaps when um, you know their challenges are really reaching um, a point of crisis. And so it is vitally important that whoever is on the other end of that phone is compassionate, is well-trained, and is ready to receive that veteran and get them the services that they need and deserve. Micro-conversations are so important in these situations. Like you said, the person at the other end of the phone, their reaction to whatever that individual is saying, whatever they are asking, their ability to uh, manage emotional um, problems that they may that, that may be displaying at that time, uh, whatever it may be. It's so important, like you said, to have that compassionate piece. Now, Veterans Affairs Canada has apologized, like I had mentioned earlier. Um, what more do they have to do? Is that enough? Again, I would absolutely go back to learning from this instance uh, and making concrete changes to the way that case managers are trained, um, selected, and trained. Um, what we've seen, and again, we've worked uh, for 10 years in, in the veterans uh, landscape delivering these programs, and for those 10 years, we've worked alongside Veterans Affairs. So we are a service provider. They will cover the cost of some of the veterans who attend our program. That usually ends up being about 15 to 25%. The remaining veterans are paid for by generous donations from charitable organizations and the public um, because the program is always delivered at, at no cost to them. So we've worked alongside Veterans Affairs for all these years. And, and again and again, what we really see as the difference um, in, uh, about whether a veteran is well-served or not well-served by the department comes down to that case manager. Um, over the years, we've seen a lot of case manager turnover as well. Um, you know, we saw a promise uh, a number of years back to expand the number of case managers to reduce that case load, which I think is a positive step. But it seemed to me that many of those case managers were brought on rather hastily and perhaps without the appropriate training. Um, and that is, I think, the big lesson to learn from this for the government and for Veterans Affairs is that the success of that department rests entirely on how well-selected and trained those case managers are. Um, and mm -hmm. that, I think, is the problem to solve here. Oliver Thorne, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the program, uh, for breaking down your reaction uh, to the story of Veterans Affairs employee uh, inappropriately discussing the option of MAID with a, a CAF a vet. Uh, really appreciate your insight and, and providing us with the resources that vet, vets have in, in this country uh, that they can tap. Well, thank you very much for having me, Rubina. I appreciate it. That's Oliver Thorne. He's executive director of Veterans Transition Network, uh, talking about a story uh, that uh, Global News uh, learned about, a Veterans Affairs Canada employee talking about MAID, that's medically assisted dying, with a CAF, CAF vet who was seeking treatment for PTSD, never asked for any options about MAID, never talked about this being something that they were thinking about but somehow casually it was brought up. And later, Veterans Affairs Canada did apologize, uh, but it does really uh, beg the question, are we becoming too casual when it comes to discussing things like 
medically assisted dying. I'm Ruby Ahmed Huck, and this is On Point.